0: What's good y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast. Where I have real conversations with the people I see every day, because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And this week I sit down with my guy Gustavo Baldrini from the Goose's Loose Podcast. That is right, it is collab time, y'all. I am super excited for this conversation. Gustavo identifies himself as a wonderful husband to his wonderful wife, Chelsea. He's a soon-to-be lawyer. He's literally about to take the bar exam in a couple weeks. A Christian and an ex-libertarian. He and his mom immigrated from Brazil when he was a kid, and he's been a U.S. citizen for a while now. So he's actually a political science major for his undergrad. So he's examined the politics of the U.S. now for a while, and he always has interesting takes. He and his wife both identify as Afro-Latinx. And that has led to some very interesting dynamics as they've navigated being a black couple in predominantly white spaces. I respect the hell out of Gustavo. Um, one, because he's one of those guys that will literally do what he says and make sure that he does it. He keeps his word. Um, he's always, always, always thinking about others and what what is the best thing that he could possibly do to, to serve the people that are around him. This all comes in and comes out in this conversation and you see it as we discuss politics, faith, And what it's like living as a black person in Orange County. Listen, I cannot wait for y'all to tune into this and listen to this. But I want to really encourage you to check out his podcast, Goose is Loose. It's available on all of your favorite listening platforms. Seriously, go check it out. Leave a review. All right, y'all. Here's Gustavo.
1: No, but I think it's important that, um, like even me being, you know, one one brown guy in a white church in a white community. Mm. I think it's so important to have friends of color who who get it, who don't have to like, explain things to Yeah. Him, you yeah. know? Uh, I remember telling you a couple weeks ago that I had to have a conversation with my nephew uh, on Chelsea's side. And he's like, your skin color He's like mm. very black. And just talking to him about like, listen man, your uncle's going to be a lawyer? Like, if you get pulled over by the cops, you just do exactly what they say. Mm. Exactly. And you yeah. just stay very calm. Calmer mm. than them because that's what they expect. Yep. And you just call me. And yep. we'll worry about your constitutional rights later. Yep. And like, Telling someone that, they can understand, like, oh, that sounds hard. But they can understand how scared I am yeah. and how scared I am for him. Mm-hmm. But, like, me, I'm, like, 240 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Think of, like, just a big brown guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get pulled up by cops. Cops are nervous. I can feel them nervous. Yeah. Until they're, like, oh, wait, he's got a law school sticker. That's why I have the sticker on my car yep. Yep. for the privilege. And they go, okay, this is, like, an educated guy. Maybe he's not going to attack me. Yeah. Which is such a crazy... Yeah. But that's how it goes. So talking to somebody who, like, you and Hendo, who I don't have to explain things to, mm. and feel that, like, you're not sympathetic, you're empathetic to the yep. situation. Yeah. I think that's huge.
0: Yeah. I've described it to people as, like, a, honestly a breath of fresh air. And I've had some really candid conversations with even some of, like, my best friends who listen to every pod- podcast. Shout out to y'all. But I, I think I... There comes a point where you have to, like, explain everything. Yeah. It no longer is. Um, I'm no longer friend at that point. I'm teacher. Yeah, and I'm doing like double work, triple work at that <laughs> point. And I'm just like, that's not what this. That's not what it should be. That's not what it is. Yeah. And actually, even that reminds me of a story. Like somebody was talking to me about um, an old counselor I went to, an old therapist I went to, and there was one time where I said like, I'm really scared. Like I'm terrified. I think it was around 2015, 2016. And I just, I'm like, I'm like terrified. I didn't, I just, I'm just so exhausted. And I was working at a predominantly white institution at the time. And just, I was just going through a lot. And like, he asked me, oh, wow, that's interesting. He's a white guy. And he's like, yeah, please like tell me like what that's like. I'm not black. And I'm like, you're my counselor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, you know, at that point it's like, I'm paying you for me to teach you why yeah. I'm scared of being black in orange, like Orange yeah. County. Orange County specifically specifically, Yeah, Orange sure. County specifically. You know, and so like, it's, and now I have a black counselor and I'll have to explain that stuff and like we can just get to it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's nice. like, That's what i oh Actually, it's funny you say that. Yeah. My wife literally just
1: said, uh, and Chelsea, uh, she like grew up not really embracing her African side, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know? Because yep. her mom is like pretty light-skinned Latina. Okay. So she wasn't really around her dad and stuff and she just now is like, you know, starting to take better, because she's got my mom really. My mom's been like a mentor for her. She's like, mm-hmm. she's trying to take care of her hair and yep. like this and that. And she said the same thing last week. She said, I need like a, a black counselor. Yeah. I need like a black therapist because yeah. the lady we go to, I mean, she, I like her a lot, but she's not going to get where Chelsea's coming from and a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she can't. Yep. Like when I was talking, when I talk to people about the Confederate flag and what that means, mm. like they don't see the fear, yeah. you know, or like when I see a Trump flag or a Trump hat or a sign, Yeah, I think that person's hostile to me. Yeah. Like I think this person, they might be a nice person, yeah. But I just know that they're probably afraid of me and mm. they're hostile, yeah. to a lot of ideas that I would have, yep. You know, and that and I, that's hard to explain. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it really, really is. And at this point, my politics definitely lean more left. Yeah. But like, number one, our two-party political system is like broken. It's flawed. Like, oh, uh, huge. it's not it's not helpful for how, like, politics should be run or a democratic, choose a democracy. All right, y'all. So the reason why I say our democratic system is flawed is because we only have two parties. Whether you're on the left or the right, you don't fall or align with every single value or every single thing that your political party stands for. It's just impossible. It's actually more of a spectrum. So that's why you'll hear terms of, like, a moderate Democrat or a moderate Republican or far left Democrat or far right. They made up those terms because people don't solidly align with a Republican or Democrat. Now, in a true democracy, there would be multiple parties, and in fact, we would have a wide array of interests being represented. That's just not how we operate. Therefore, we are not a true democracy. We're a hybrid, which is totally fine, but we need to expand beyond just two parties. That's number one. Number two, you know, like, I don't even know how to put into words, like, why Trump is so bad for the U.S. Yeah, like, you know, I, I can't... Like, <laughs> like, it is, like... And, and so, like, when I come and talk to somebody like as to why, like, I don't disagree with them, I don't want them to... The automatic assumption is, like, oh, you're just a liberal or a snowflake yeah. or whatever. And it's, yeah. like, that's not it, man. Like, oh. when I, when I like, what I learned about U.S. government, <laughs> what I learned and spent four years and I'm still paying my student loans on Amen. about <laughs> U.S. politics, like, this is not what I was taught. Like, yeah. this is not what the... Um, they're not my founders, but the founders of the US like, sure. This is not what they had in mind like, yeah. This is not what they had in mind This is the complete opposite of what they had in mind you know?
1: Donald Trump is giving Andrew Jackson a run for worst president of all time mm, mm, mm. Native Americans might disagree yeah. But I think that, <laughs> I think that, that Donald Trump's impact on, on politics is hard to explain Because I think that there has been a growing, um, growing frustration in the middle class mm, mm, This is what we're talking about Yep There has been no economic growth in the middle class since the 90s. Yeah. All
0: right, y'all. So I'm not going to get lost in the weeds of numbers because I'm not an economist, and this is not an economics podcast. But I will say that economic stagnation and dramatic differences between the upper, middle, and lower economic classes have been something economists have been saying for years. And this is not new. But if it's new for you, there you go. One article that I looked at from the Pew Research Center Examine this, and they found that the middle class has actually experienced a decrease in their overall household incomes compared to the economy since 1971. It's slowly been decreasing. And even when there were jumps, it hasn't been significant jumps like the upper class. So to even back up what Gustavo is saying, the rich keep getting richer, the middle class have stayed about the same, and the lower class have barely experienced any economic increase, any major economic increase in almost 50 years, which is absolutely insane.
1: Yet the rich keep getting richer. Yep. So the middle class is frustrated and the Republicans are frustrated. You know, Republican middle class. Yep. They don't know why they're frustrated. They mm. don't understand that capitalism is the best system ever, for sure. But we don't have capitalism in this country. of cronyism. Mm. We have where the rich people help the rich people. It's socialism for the rich, as I think Bernie likes to say it or maybe Joe Biden, it's socialism for the rich, capitalism for the poor. Mm. And it's always been that way. The whole trickle-down system has always been that way. But that, com- that, stag- that stagnant in, that, in the middle class mm. and combined with the technology that we've had, imagine that you and I are about the same, we're the same age. We started out with cassettes and you know the internet making a lot of noise to start and yep. all this jazz to now we have like computers in our hands. Mm-hmm. This process has cut out a lot of people of the economy. Yep. A lot of people who had jobs, either their jobs got outsourced to other countries because it just made more sense, yep. capitalism, or their jobs has gone because of technology. All of those people don't like to hear you need to learn a new skill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what do they do? They want to blame somebody. And I hate to do this because I think it's a little drama, but I'm, like, you know, I'm kind of flamboyant, I'm a little dramatic. That's what happened in, in Germany, mm. right? They said, it's not our fault. It's not us. Yep. It's them. Mm. And Donald Trump has been the best yep. at saying it's not us, it's them. Yep. It's the immigrants. Yep. It's this, it's that. And by the way, immigration is good for this country regardless of how it happens. Yep. If we didn't have illegal immigrants, you wouldn't have food. Yeah. And this almost happened, right? Because Donald Trump was threatening immigrants And food was spoiling on the fields. Yep. I wrote an article that actually got published in the newspaper in San Francisco on H-2A visas. Mm. These people come in slave-like conditions, no joke, to work for pennies on the dollar to provide us food. If we didn't have that, we'd be done. We'd be done. And a lot of them get fake social security numbers. What does that do? That pays into taxes, but that means you can't get taxes out. Yep. Social Security would be done by now. There wouldn't be Social Security money anymore. <laughs> They're
0: legitimately subsidizing the yes! Social
1: security. They're subsidizing. Yeah. And that's what big. People,
0: yeah. And when people like use the excuse that,
1: oh, like these immigrants are like sucking us dry. I'm like, what are you They're talking helping about? Yeah. they are helping us. So, yeah. And every economist will tell you the same thing. Yep. And the second generation of immigrants, right? Yep. So let's say your dad came here from Mexico, you you produce more and contribute more to the United States than the average American. Yep. You're more likely to open a business. You're more mm. likely to go to college. Mm. And I. so this anti-immigrant sentiment is just rooted in a lack of education. Yep. And Donald Trump loves it. He loves it. He loves it. He capitalizes on it. Because is average, is the average member of his base is not very highly educated. Yeah. They don't know. So some guy in Wisconsin is really afraid of the Mexican border. Mm-hmm. Even though it's hundreds of miles away from him. Yep. He's very afraid. Yep and Donald Trump tells him to be afraid, even though the average immigrant commits less crime than an American. You're more likely to be killed by an American citizen than an illegal immigrant.
0: All right, y'all, I want to make this as clear as day. There is no, absolutely none, zero evidence that suggests that immigrants, whether they are documented or not, commit any more crime than native-born citizens of the US. In fact, there is a study from 2008, um, a man by the name of Ruben Rumba, he is a sociologist out of UCI, had an article published from the Police Foundation entitled, Undocumented in- Immigration and Rates of Crime and Imprisonment, Popular Myths and Empirical Realities. It said that the perception that the foreign-born, especially illegal aliens, are responsible for higher crimes is deeply rooted in American public opinion and is sustained by media and anecdote and popular myth. A more recent article 2018 written by Anna Flagg said that places with a sharp rise in the immigrant population experience increases in crimes at rates no more frequently than those with modest or no growth in immigration. So the idea that immigration leads to an increase in crime is a lie. It's fear-mongering and it's xenophobic.
1: These are just the stats. That's the, those are facts. And that's what's annoying to me is that people frame this as a political discussion. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. They're just numbers. Yep. They're just numbers. Numbers aren't Democrat. Numbers aren't Republican. Yep. They're just numbers. Yeah. So, But he's been a master. But I don't even think that's his legacy. His legacy that's going to leave a, a long-lasting imprint mm. on America is his just systemic and successful campaign of misinformation. Mm, yeah. This... Anti intellectualism <clears throat> that he's just unleashed on the world. He has legitimized on those crazy conspiracy oh, theorists. Oh my God. He oh. has legitimized all these people, the anti vax people. Yep. All of these people now say my opinion in the 10 minute YouTube video I watched is better than, or at least comparable to, your expertise. And I'm just sitting here thinking, dude, look at other countries that have followed the science that have done things correctly, Mm. they're back up and running. The U.S. is 4% of the world, but 25% of deaths. Mm. Why is that? That's because Donald Trump, our leader, is sitting there. Donald Trump sits in a room. Four extras walk in and say, hey, this is what we should do. He goes, Mm. I don't think so. I think I know better than you. And he does what he wants to do. Right? And we've seen that over and over and over and over again. Yep. He shouldn't even be in office. He should have been removed. Yeah. A long time ago. (laughs) Now I'm gonna
0: rant, but my yeah, point are is: you, are, you, are you talking about when he was impeached? Or are you? Talking, oh okay. man, don't get Let's, me started. Like, we won't get started. Don't on get that, me but. on that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I think his lasting impression on American politics, which is going to last, and by the way, I don't think he himself as a persona is going to last very long. Mm. Look at Richard Nixon. Look what happened to him, right? Yeah. Back in his day, everybody loved Richard Nixon. Yeah. They're all about him. Yeah. And then he comes out as a racist. Everybody who knew Richard Nixon already knew that. Yeah. And he's, you know, you got Watergate. And mm. now, today, you won't find a single person that says they like Richard Nixon. Yeah. They'll swear on their grave. Oh, I never... Oh, he's a crook. I never thought... Same thing's gonna happen to Donald Trump. Well, there was... Um, the percentage of people that were against him getting
0: impeached, Richard Nixon getting impeached, it was overwhelming. Yeah. I think it was like 80%. People like, they, loved them they at they, the time. They, were loving, they loved him. They said, this is terrible for the country. It'll rip us apart. Don't yeah. do it. Um, but... <laughs> They had <laughs> But politicians it? back
1: then had more backbone. Yeah, because I kid you not, and I would die on this hill. Oh, I'll there die on it with way you. Way more to get Donald Trump out of office than there was for Richard Nixon. Oh, like for yeah. me, I'm like Richard Nixon. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, this is like, oh my god! And the yeah. amount of evidence we have is undeniable. Yeah, it's irrefutable. Yep. This, if you, if it was one or the other, I'd be like, get Donald Trump's ass out of here. Yeah. Are you crazy? Yeah. But yeah, I think that. This sentiment of anti intellectualism and fake news mm-hmm. that's gonna last a long time. Yeah, it's gonna be very hard to overcome this. Yeah, uh, and he's just like the boomer generation that's just eating all this up mm. that might die with them. Yeah, honestly, he is a persona. I promise you, very next election, the Republican is gonna get their asses wiped this election, they're gonna try and say. Donald Trump, wasn't that crazy, you guys? None of us supported him. No way. I mean, I did support him. Yes, I was. But I, like internally, I was just in such a battle. And I didn't want to do it. You know? That's coming. Yeah. And my favorite thing, this would be the last part of this rant. <laughs> my favorite thing right now is the misinformation campaign. It's so deep that Donald Trump right now, right now, Donald Trump is using footage of America currently to tell us why Joe Biden is dangerous for America. How? How, Sway? How? How is that possible? He's literally showing images of riots caused by, in part, his response to racism and saying, if you elect Joe Biden, this is what's going to happen. Their platform for this latest convention Was the same as 2016. Okay,
0: can we talk about that, please? Yes. Because I I told, and I told Lindsey this, I said, the Republicans do not believe that he's going to win. No. You cannot tell me that you're going to use the same platform, and he lost the popular vote by 3 million. Yes. The same exact platform in 2016, you're going to use it
1: again. They adhered so closely to what they did in 2016, they said Barack Obama is the current president, like five or six times. Wow, I didn't even read that. I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah, it's wow. uh, look it up. It's in the news. It came out. I think maybe the New York Times wrote so they a. They literally just used the. They same They literally thing. took the same speeches and they're blaming Obama for things. Which, by the way, I wasn't a fan of a lot of the things Obama did. Mm. Obama bombed a lot of kids. He obviously is. not a fan of that. Yeah, but Obama inherited one of the worst economies in our history. Yep, turned it around. Our economy was booming. Handed it to Trump. Trump, the growth slowed down. He's done okay. Yeah. He hasn't done uh, historic numbers, as he would tell you. Yeah. But then to run the same thing, and now he's complaining about Obama, you've been in power for four years. Yeah. What do you mean? You're the president. You had a majority. I don't...
0: (laughs) That's the thing, too. You have a majority. Yes. In both the Senate and Congress. Yes. How, like... For the first two years, he did. Two years, bro. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then... And then it hits even more like you lose you lose the house in 2018, like landslide across Landslide. The, which is pre- telling of what's going to happen yes. in 2020. Oh, yes. But yeah.
1: Dude, people who are saying he's going to win, I honestly just don't think you understand politics. Yeah. I don't think you understand how numbers work. Yep. And I don't think you understand how uh, our, judi- our system works at yep. all, our electoral system. Because he won – so he lost by three million popular, right? He won the electoral college big. Yep. Why? Well, in a lot of he won a lot of small counties mm-hmm. and he won counties by like a thousand people. Yeah, it wasn't by a lot. It's the slimmest possible yeah. margins. He won Michigan by ten thousand seven hundred and four votes. So yep. basically I was looking at the numbers the other day and every of every county he won, if everybody who voted for Gary Johnson, who's who I voted for, or voted third party, if they would have instead voted for Hillary, she would have smashed him. Yep. And you know how many people vote third party? Very small number. Yeah. So, and by the way, we had Hillary Clinton, who was one of the worst candidates to ever be, at least in my opinion, to be in a Democratic ticket, not because she's a woman, which is not popular already. Mm-hmm. And you have to think of where we are, the United States, but because she was awful. I mean, she called people deplorable. She, her campaign was terrible. Her campaign was essentially, I'm not Donald Trump, which should be enough, but it's not. Yeah. And it was a terrible campaign. People didn't like it. She wasn't relatable. Mm -hmm. Now, not even like the elect a woman for the first time thing was enough. Yeah. So the voting was, the voter turnout was abysmal. Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. Anytime
1: the voting turnout is low, it favors Republicans, Mm. which is why Republicans want, you know, they want IDs at the polls. They don't want you automatically registered to vote. Republicans' tactics rely on voter suppression. Mm -hmm. You know, they rely on it. I mean, look up gerrymandering. That's, That's their whole game. Yep. That's what happened to Hillary Clinton. This year, we have Kamala Harris, who you can bitch and moan about Kamala Harris's record. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are legitimate complaints.
0: Yeah, but she's done a lot, in the, specifically in the last year, to s- switch it around. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: I think, I mean, what's your face? Uh, Tosa Gabbard killed her on stage.
0: Yeah, she did not have a response for no, it. And, that's she had the thi- and
1: that was the thing. And, and
0: I, I have my own gripes about how they've covered Kamala ever since she came out. Um, I, it just has not been the same. You know, even didn't even take her as a legitimate. You know, well, they're doing contender. the whole Obama
1: birtherism thing to her right now. Yeah, it's I just, mean, it's
0: just been, it's just been, un, it's just been unbelievable. Okay, I will contend that Senator Kamala Harris deserves critique. I mean, if you're in public office, if you're a public servant, your whole entire record is up for debate, and you have to answer for it because the decisions that you make, the de- the things that you do, the things that you don't do, impact the people that you're supposed to be serving. And so. I'll say that about that. Um, but what I don't want to see is that Senator Harris or any other black or brown person uh, being held to a completely different standard by media and journalists that don't actually reflect the diversity of our nation. There is a huge lack of diversity in journalism. As it is right now, there's only seven and a half percent of people, of black people, in the American newsroom. That's Absolutely absurd. And I would argue, and I'm pretty sure that I'm right, that the current demographic of journalists across the U.S. is not even culturally equipped to cover the news with the nuance and depth necessary for an ever-increasing diverse population in American society. So we need more journalists of color. We need their full perspective. We need their culture. We need their amazing talent and skill. Anyway, sorry, continue your poem, but,
1: Oh, um, yeah, as her as a VP... And Joe Biden who has just one of the most recognizable names in politics today mm-hmm. I think they went in a landslide yeah and I think that two things are gonna get combined one the excitement for being the first black woman to be vice president mm-hmm. right just like Barack Obama had in 2008 yeah. people got out to vote just because he's a black guy okay yeah. like people love them he's a great speaker and all that yeah. but some of that was just let's just vote for the first black president mm-hmm. so she's gonna get a lot of that and two I think now we've seen Donald Trump how dangerous of a president he is mm-hmm. I mean if you don't think we're slipping into fascism you don't know what fascism is yeah
0: so I feel like the term fascism or fascist gets tossed around a lot, so I just want to provide like an actual definition for it as best I can. Um, so first, fascism is a very complex ideology. In fact, a 2017 article by Jesse Slay says that there are many definitions of fascism. Some people describe it as a political action, others a political philosophy, and still others a mass movement. Most definitions agree, though, that fascism is authoritarian and promotes nationalism at all costs.
1: We're slipping into fascism quickly.
0: Like fast. Fast. Yeah.
1: There was secret police in Portland. Yep. Secret federal agents in unmarked cars without badges. And just grabbing people. Snabbing people. Yep. Have I heard this before? I don't know. Does Gestapo ring a bell to you? Yeah. Are you joking? Yep. You want to talk about constitutional rights, due process? And conservatives aren't concerned about this. Mm-hmm. They're more concerned about property than rights. Yeah. It's, it's the... He's completely hijacked the Republican Party. i mm-hmm. um, Not to mention... just Not to mention his fiscal policy and tariffs and all of this is anti-free market. Not to mention that. Yeah, But his take on constitutional rights. This is the guy. He literally said this, and I can't believe this isn't plastered everywhere. He literally said, first we take the guns, then we do the due process. Quote, he's the most anti-Second Amendment president in decades. And we're still – it just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that people – and some Republicans have flipped over. I mean you saw how many Republicans were at the DNC. Yeah, there's so many. You see the Lincoln Project mm-hmm. is all Republicans. Yep. And I think that he hasn't gained any new voters. Mm-hmm. I think no one to, who's who's seen what he's done think, oh yeah, no, that was a good move. And he's leaning really heavy on his base too. Like, he oh has yeah, not that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He has not gotten any new voters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just relying. He's relying on people who are uh, just worried about the 401k because they think he's done a great job with it. I would disagree, but okay. And they're and they're single issue voters. Mm-hmm. I think single issue voting has always been a huge problem yep. since I want to say the 70s when the Republicans corral the Christians into their party. Oh yeah, into yep. And I think it's been a huge problem since then because we've gotten this we've been stuck in this system you're talking about. Yep. But I think the fear of Donald Trump coupled with the excitement for Harris is gonna be a landslide victory for Democrats. Yeah. And I'm very happy about it, and I normally wouldn't say that. I've been looking at a lot
0: of stuff in like the current state of the Republican Party, and I'm just like so curious as to what's gonna happen with it. Because mm-hmm. I've told people that like politics in the US as we know it are they're going to be forever changed. Like we cannot go back to like the way things were. I don't know what they're going to look like and especially the Republican Party. That is, I don't even know.
1: Let me say this though because I think that something gets missed in American politics by people who are either unaware or just uneducated. The Republican Party in America is as close to fascism as we have in the world almost. I mean outside of obvious places like China and North Korea. Hmm. I'm talking like in a democratic society. Because if you look at the political spectrum, our conservatives are unbelievably far right compared to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Our Democrats are conservatives like Joe Biden would be a conservative in Europe. In Europe, he'd be the right-wing party. Bernie Sanders would be like slightly left of center in most countries. Yeah. Why is that? Because most countries have universal health care. Most countries have paid leave. Most countries have stricter anti-discrimination laws. So I think that but I think that us as a collective in America are moving left. Mm -hmm. And I think, it's, I think it's smart because we're starting to see that, as I was talking about at the beginning of this, we just haven't benefited from the riches of America. Mm-hmm. The middle class and lower just have not benefited and our medical system is in shambles. Our insurance, health insurance is in shambles. Mm-hmm. It's all awful. And we look at other places that spend a lot less money on people per capita on health care and do yep. a lot better. Education too. The U.S. is very – our kids are very dumb. Trickling, and we're leaning into like this idea of American
0: exceptionalism right now, which is like yeah, to touchy subject. It careful. is, it is, and and so and my thing is is like, I don't know how we how we continue to strive and believe this idea that like we are just number one every absolutely every single thing. Yeah, which is like. I feel you, because I've been to other countries, and I'm like, I feel you, but like we got to be realistic about our expectations when we compare apples to apples, right? Yeah. When we compare apples to yeah. apples, we got to be realistic about don't make our expectations. Me, don't make me
1: do this, man. <laughs> don't make me do this. You're making me do this. America has been number one for one very simple reason. World War II. Go ahead and do it. I, I knew you were going to do it. I, <laughs> both, of us, both of us already
0: knew it. Let's World, go ahead and talk War about two. it. War Two. World War yeah. II was everything. We could even we can argue World War One. We can argue any 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 war that most wars that we've been in.
1: I think I would say World War One partly. I would say World War Two mostly because Europe was destroyed.
0: Mm, Okay, Germany was
1: destroyed. Yeah, we were the only people manufacturing anything of value. We were selling it to both sides until they attacked us. And we were making up just a killing. Yep. And then what happens? Germany's like, we got to rebuild. And America's like, oh, we got stuff to rebuild. You want to rebuild? We got rebuilding stuff. We'll sell it to you. Yep. No problem. Europe, you got to rebuild too. You guys don't have anything, cause all your factories got blown up and your country's in shambles. We got stuff. Buy it from us. And American manufacturing went to the roof. Yep. America used to be where things were built, and that's why that's one of the reasons people are so afraid of China, because now China's where everything's built. But it used to be America. And after World War II, that's why people always talk about the 50s, right? Not black people. But white people (laughs) always talk about the 50s. They were so great. Yep. Make America great. I mean, let's not talk about only 2% of Africans ever got out to see that GI Bill. Don't talk about that. Yep. Don't talk about redlining. Don't talk about that. Yeah. Just talk about how white people got to move to the suburbs and buy cars. And where those cars got made? Right here in America. They got made where the Lions play. Yeah. That's exactly where they got made. Yeah. They don't anymore. Almost nothing gets made here. Now we're a service industry. And we're bad at it. And we don't make anything. Now, with the whole country, what our country runs on now is the military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. The whole country runs on that. Yep. Because that's what we've always done, right? Yep. We used to make weapons. We still make weapons. Sometimes we gotta make a war out of it to sell any weapons. Sometimes we gotta imprison people to make weapons for cheap. I'm touching a lot of subjects here. But what I'm saying is, America has never been this place of like crazy innovation and that people here are just inherently smarter. No, America's opportunistic. Yep. America got the right time in history. They nailed it. Mm-hmm. And now they're a superpower for 60 years.
0: Yep. Okay. And, and, and we like to believe that we just did it because like we're we, better. Just, we just did it and we're better. And we're like, better. You know, this America is God given. And is, no. it really is it not. And
1: by the way, I mean, American, American, you know, supremacy, let's not look at any other empire in history because it's a bat of an eye for most of those empires. Yeah. America won't even last that long, in my opinion. We're not going to be the Roman Empire or anything like that. No. Not even the Inca Empire.
0: I think people forget how young. Very young. Less, like, very very young. very, very young. It's funny
1: you say that, though, because people bring that up when I talk about uh, criminal justice. They say, well, America's very young. You know, we're still. You've
0: gotten an argument like that?
1: Yes, of course. I've gotten everything. I've gotten everything. Yeah. Some people just said, <laughs> the country's very young. We're still developing. And I said, listen, that would have made sense if the internet didn't exist. If information was only in books, if this was like 1300 or the Dark Ages, that would make a lot of sense. But we have the internet. The world's connected. The world's very small. We can look somewhere else and go, hey, look over there. That's what they did. Some of the conversations you have, man. Yeah. I don't understand, bro. Yeah. I don't. I like to teach people things and I think this is worth talking about. Yeah. Um, And I like to learn things. Uh, These conversations that I've had haven't been very uh, useful for me in learning anything. Yeah. Except at how um, internalized the racism in this country is. Mm. And I wasn't aware of it, but seeing it so much even in my own church has been really discouraging. Uh, Break down what you mean, like internalized. I mean that I think a lot of people in this country would say, like if you took 10 white guys, Mm. right? And you asked them, and from all over the country, let's just take a sample. And you said, are you racist? They would all say no. At least nine of them would say no. Maybe one guy is proud of it. Who knows? Yeah. But the other nine would say, no, we're not racist. And then you ask them, okay, what do you think about black-on-black crime? And they w- and their response wouldn't be, black-on-black crime isn't a real term. That was made up by Richard Nixon just to distract us from the issues. They would say, well, blacks are just violent. Like, that's what they would say. Yeah. And it's just that. It's that, like, mentality over and over and mm. over again. You ask these guys to describe a criminal— They describe you, right? They don't describe themselves. You ask them to describe someone who's lazy, they describe you, or a Mexican, or a a mixed, you know? Yep. But if you ask them if they're racist, they would say no. They would say, no, those are just the facts. I mean, it's not, I'm not racist. I didn't, because racism as a word has become a bad thing. Yeah. We finally made racism a bad thing but the actual mentality is still hidden within people. It still exists and we can see it plain as day in our laws and policies and how they're applied. They're just not de facto anymore, they're de jure. They're in practice, they happen, they're still racist. Mm -hmm. Perfect example of this is redlining. Redlining, basically people couldn't get mortgages because they were all black, they live in a black neighborhood, we don't want to get mortgages to black people. We made that illegal, right? Redlining is illegal. Guess what's still legal? Discretion. Discretion's racist most of the time because guess who owns the banks? White people. And it was like last year, three banks got caught for just not giving qualified black people mortgages. Why? Because they're black. I remember that case. Yep. I remember that case. Yep. So now I'm in these conversations with people from my church, people I respect, people I think are good people. And the amount of times they say something to me that's just so racist or they just talk down on me, which I get a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And I still get the, you know, go back to your country. I still get that stuff, too. I mean, I grew up with people thinking I lived in a hut because I'm from Brazil. The racism is just so built in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is why I love the term anti-racist. I think anti-racism is the key. Because some people aren't racist. We live in California. We're lucky. I mean, even though we're in Orange County, we run into people who just aren't racist. But when they when they are around racist, they don't do anything. They just, they're complicit. They're mm-hmm. just silent. And they think that's better. Well, I, w-
0: I would argue that's still racist,
1: but... I think it's just... I could see that. I could see your point. Yeah. I think it's just a fear of confrontation. And it's a fear, not a fear, it's a laziness to do something that doesn't affect you. You know, like, yeah. think about the yeah. how fracturing and how damaging this conversation is to your relationships with your white friends. I've had guys I built churches with in Mexico call me an idiot, call me a moron, tell me I don't know what I'm doing, tell me I'm brainwashed, ask how my relationship with God is, put that in a question, because I said black lives matter. And I said, this is important. And I said, systemic racism is real. Mm-hmm. And these guys got aggressive with me in that way. Yeah. Now, if I was white, why would I do that? Why would I want that? Why would I want people to, to turn on me like this yeah. if it doesn't well, affect me at all?
0: And that's, and, but that's the, that's the thing is like, it, it really is like there's a cost that comes with it. For right? sure. I already, both you and I already pay a cost just for having more pigment in our skin than other folks do, right? Like we got some melanin in our skin. And so, like, we already pay that cost every single day. And so, if somebody says, you know what, like, I'm not racist, then you need to pay the toll. Hmm. Um, you need to also pay that toll of what that means. Yeah. That means, like, when you speak up and, and you speak truth, that means that you you will lose friends. Because I've lost friends. You For know sure. what I'm saying? Like, I've lost opportunities. I've switched jobs. I've taken jobs where it paid me a whole lot less. Um, because like, I didn't want to be in an environment where I had constantly had to defend myself or just walk away or literally be by myself. You know what I'm saying? And so when I encounter people of like, you know, like I just, I'm trying I just don't know how to do it. I'm just like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm serious. Like, yeah. I don't know what you want me to tell you because yeah. like, you want me to teach you how to not be racist. Yeah. But I have had to learn how to be black from just jump. You know, so you so so you need to learn how to do this and I'll I'll be a Yoda to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to be in the thing. I'm not going to like spoon feed you answers, but you need this is independent study. You need to like learn how to do this on your own. Come to me when you have some really tough questions, when you need some help processing, and we'll do that. I, I I'm willing to do that part. I think the frustration that I have with folks that who say like, I'm scared or I'm nervous. or I'm like that. I'm like you, you. Are telling me yeah. that
1: you're nervous, you're scared, that yeah. you don't want to lose that.
0: that. That I just find it. I just find it. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree with yeah. everything
1: you said. Yeah. I would just put, you're always. I think you're always less graceful to these people than I am. And I, I used to be though. I am yeah, sure you were. I used to be. Yeah. I, and I was going to say, rightfully so, probably yeah. with your experience. Yeah, I'm a big fan of incremental change. Okay. I think things often change incrementally. Yeah. George Floyd was a catalyst for yeah. this country. But the catalyst, even catalysts don't, usually don't enact fundamental change. A catalyst just moves the incremental a little faster. In my wildest dreams, I'm a very pragmatic, reasonable person, I like to think. In my wildest dreams, this is it. I understand that people were enslaved. I thought that was all over. I thought that racism was over when we elected Barack Obama. I think I might be wrong about this. I think I should look into it some more. I think I should learn American history beyond what they taught me in high school because wasn't super honest what they taught me in high school and I think I'm going to listen to the experiences of some of these black people and believe them. That's it. If the whole country can get there I would be so happy. Here's why. The whole discussion we're having is not an opinion discussion. It's just not. Racism is not a valid opinion. There are some opinions that are just not valid. Yeah. Racism is one of them. Racism is just not a valid opinion so I don't count it. So here we have facts. Like you can't argue against systemic racism. It's impossible. It's American history. it's already happened. And you can't argue that someone's inferior to you just because they're browner. That's not a legitimate position either. So if people are just willing to learn and they're just willing to listen, my guess is they end up where I am right now. My guess is they read all this stuff, or I'll feed it to them. I don't care. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> and they end up at the same place. They end up at the same thought of, okay, we need to fix fundamentally change this country. Mm. We need to defund the police. And put those resources somewhere else. They're too militarized. They get too much money to kill people. Mm. And we need to change things in this country. I think everybody gets there. Everybody who's not an outright racist.
0: Yeah.
1: Ca- big caveat. Yeah. Everybody in the KKK is not going to get there. Yeah. But everyone who's just like, just grew up kind of racist. You know, everyone who's grew up with these like kind of racist parents, just on the very on the outline, You know. Mm. I think all those people get there. Mm. And maybe I'm overly optimistic. Maybe I have too much faith in humanity. I don't.
0: I mean we agree about the um, incremental change. I think you're more optimistic about who.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I, I'll, I'll say it because like, you'll have conversations with folks that I just won't bother with. I don't think just because you're old doesn't mean you can't get it. Like yeah. I've had very great conversations with my in-laws yeah. and, and I've, I've broken it down and like, if you are willing to like have an actual conversation like willing to engage. I'm willing to do that and I will I will hear your opinion to understand where you're coming yeah. from. I have to like hear and get That's to the roots of it. And so like but I think that somebody who has a fundamentally foundational like idea about how this country was built, designed, what it means now, like those are the people that I'm unwilling to like I, I don't have the emotional energy and so yeah. I've made it, I've made it, I've made up my mind. I'm like, I'm not, I can't waste my energy on you. Like, yeah. That's how it feels to me. No, but, but, and my thing is like, the fact that you can do that and you say that you can do that and like, that's what you're about. I'm like, as you're <laughs> saying that, I'm like, my initial, and to be quite honest, my initial thought is like, this dude is an idiot. <laughs> but, but like, he's gonna burn out. But, but I'm also like, thankful that like, that's the stance that you're willing, Like, you can do that. Like, that's, you're willing to do that. You're willing to engage. Cause, both of us are needed, right? Both of us are yeah. needed in that conversation to, yeah. to like have those conversations because like, personally, I couldn't. Like, like literally like the reptilian part of my brain would take over and then like, <laughs> like, like I literally, I literally can't, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. like I, I legit feel that both of these are needed, so.
1: Yeah, a lot of these conversations I have with older guys from my church, I have them because I respect them. Yep. I think they're smart guys mm. and I think that of a lot of people. I think a lot of people, when presented with information, they're gonna be uncomfortable. They might even be hostile. And I've had both. I've had people yelling in my face over this, yep. unfazed. But I think that it's planting seeds. Yeah. Jesus talks about the same thing. Yeah. We're planting seeds, and eventually it's going to make sense, mm. and it's going to click.
0: So I think I'm going to clarify something really important here, because the last thing I want BIPOC folks to do, especially for those of you who are still in religious spaces, is to spiritually get bypassed or tie something up in like a spiritual band-aid on something that's particularly traumatizing. I'm speaking from experience here. And so going back to the parable Gustavo was even referring to, it goes something like this. A farmer went out to sow seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate them up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had, not, they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times that what was sown. We, as BIPOC folks, I'm speaking directly to y'all right now, we have to be aptly aware of the folks we choose to invest in. Especially when it comes to conversations about diversity equity, and inclusion. Where are those seeds being planted? Are those seeds being planted on that rocky, hard, hard ground that is nearly impossible to till? Or is it being planted in soil that produces fruit that gives to you that that isn't always taken from you? Is this a life-giving relationship that is worth continuing? How are they choosing to navigate this conversation with you? Are they doing the internal work as well as the external work to alleviate any kind of harm that they could potentially be doing to you?
1: I think one of the reasons we have a lot of these people is because being white in this country gives such an advantage. I mean, if you don't know if that's an advantage, listen to my podcast on my, yeah, my own podcast. Plug, 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 plug yeah. it. Plug. <laughs> if you don't think it's an advantage, go to the Goose is Loose. Okay? <laughs> listen to my podcast on white privilege about a pastor who used to not believe in white privilege and came around to it. Great podcast. Hmm. It's a huge advantage. The whole country is built for you to succeed. The country was not built for people like you and I. You and I were used to build the country, yeah. but the country is not built for us. So I think that when you when you talk about this, you talk about racism and you talk about white privilege, it's offensive
0: mm-hmm. because
1: of two things. One, it goes against fundamental beliefs about this country, that every man's created equal equal and every man deserves, you know, liberty, life and the pursuit of happiness and all this jazz and yeah. property. It goes against that. And people refuse to believe it, even though people who signed the Declaration of Independence had slaves. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And two, it tells them you got here because of something that helped you. There's like a pride factor. you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got helped along because you're white. Yeah. And to deny that is crazy. But I think it's only crazy if they don't know the other side. Yeah. Right. Because if your whole life you had rich uncles and you had owned property and your uncle owned a business and he helped you, you would think that's normal. And then I show up and say, hey, I'm from Brazil. I have no family here. I'm a first-generation lawyer. I don't know jack about anything. I don't know any attorneys. I don't know anybody who even makes more than, like, 80K a year. That's how – you know what I mean? Yep. You would be like, people like you exist? Yeah. How? Mm. And I think that's where they are. Yeah. And I think it's offensive to them in a way because they say, no, I built this on my own. And I go, what? kind of. Yeah. Kind of. But I have obstacles you don't. Yep. And you have ladders that I don't. Yeah. I got to figure out how to climb these walls. You, there's an elevator built for you. Mm. You know? It's a different situation. Yeah. But I think those two things create an emotional barrier to learning about this. And I think that history and facts can permeate the barrier Mm -hmm. after you've heard them out, which is what you're saying. And I think that even guys like the ones I'm talking to who are so entrenched in this, even they start to doubt themselves. And that's all I want. A little doubt. A little doubt grows into education, I think. Yeah. But I'm willing to have the conversation because I think it matters. Yeah. You know, and I don't want them to go to Jesus with this hate in their heart and this racism in their body and have to be presented like that to God. Mm. I'd rather not. And I honestly think that good-hearted people can change, no matter how old they are. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like if somebody feels like, and that's a, that's the defining factor, right? If like if somebody feels heard and seen, then like those those guards break down. Like yeah. they don't have anything to say to that. I think I have been most impactful in situations like that. There are just certain situations that I'm not going to put myself in because, and and this is real, like pre-Trump, yes, I probably would have had those conversations all day. Yeah. I think now there is a level where people are so emboldened that they get to a a level of anger. It doesn't matter how good of a person they are. Yeah. that, That I am legitimately scared for my life. Hmm. Like legit, like I like if I have a conversation like this, if like if we were talking like this out in public, yeah. like I don't care, we, we'd be talking and you know what I'm saying, like, but I legit think that like in the back of my mind, like if three of the wrong dudes come out of nowhere, you know what yeah. I'm saying, and, oh, that's I'm, possible. and I'm walking to my car, that's possible, you know what I'm saying, I try and like communicate that piece and that's what I'm talking about, yeah. like I'm not willing to put myself in harm's way in yeah. that way, like if I have good relationship with somebody and like, you know, they say something to me, I'm like, I would engage in that. Yeah. I think even like it, as I'm like peeling, peeling back the layers of that. Cause I think some people that listen to my podcast think I just don't talk. I won't talk to anybody, but no, um, that's, that's not it. It's like, yeah. who am I willing to engage with? Where is like the, the safe place that I will be able to engage these things with like physical safe place. I don't, I mean, you can call them whatever you want. I mean, I've been called a nigger right to my face and like, it doesn't faze me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm, like, cool. <laughs> um, um, I think in the last four years, I've seen just a level of like, just these people don't give a shit. Like seriously. Um, yeah. And, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm like. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I, and and the, my wife runs through my head. My, my mom goes to my head like, there are people that I need to come home to. And like, is this conversation worth it right now? Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah. I think that I'm just a person that I'm never afraid for my physical. I mean, I'm aware of my surroundings. Yeah. I'm never that afraid for my physical safety. Um, I think that the biggest battle in these conversations is just staying calm. Because, dude, yeah. I've literally have had this conversation with, like, guys that I know that are this close to my face. Mm. And I could just snap them in half if I wanted to. Yeah. Um. And I could just call them a moron yeah. and just be done. You'll never see me upset. You'll never catch me angry. Yeah. It's very rare. I don't think i choose anything. And I think that I'm most persuasive by staying calm. And even that is very exhausting to me. Yes. Because, one, the idea that I have to present the facts in a certain way. Yep. To entice somebody to listen to me is annoying. And I have to teach them these things. Like I have to be their teacher, like we've been talking about. And i got to deal with their... And this is the most upsetting part. They're really upset about a perceived threat. I'm voicing a real concern of mine. Mm. A real life concern about the police and systemic racism that I experience. Mm. I'm voicing that. They're angrier than me about a perceived threat... Something that's just like in their ego. Yet we're having this conversation and they're all the ones yelling. That's what's frustrating to me in this yeah. conversation. People are yelling in my face about things that are, one, I know to be true because I've seen the studies. Two, is my reality mm-hmm. and it's your reality yep. and it's my nephew's reality and it's my wife's reality and it's my mom's reality. But it's not theirs. And they're most upset because it's hurting their ego. Yeah, That, to me, is frustrating. And that's why I don't like these conversations because... You and I can sit and talk about the benefits of capitalism versus socialism all day. It's not a personal conversation. It's fun. You know, it's academic.
0: I love it. Yeah.
1: This is a personal conversation about my life Mm -hmm. and my kids' lives. Yeah. I got to think about where I want my kids to grow up. Yeah. Like, I have to think about all these things because they really matter. They're growing up in Long Beach, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have to, like, these are all things I have to think about that Mm. they just don't. Yeah. It just doesn't matter to them. To them, it's just a political discussion. Yeah. They're having a conversation about politics. I'm going to have a conversation about my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very personal to me. Mm. So that's what's tiring and it's draining. Because I gotta maintain this like very almost professional approach to the conversation yeah. with people who aren't over their ego. Because I want them to hear what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: And that's what that's what gets me about like your willingness to have these conversations, because you're in those moments. You're required to do a lot. Like a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and it is exhausting. I've heard the reason why a couple t- You
1: said it a couple times. I I just refuse to give up on some people. Yeah. I think some people are just worth it. And it's a very personal conversation, but to me, and maybe, you know what, I just, I have this idea mm-hmm. in my mind that people, at the after the emotion and after this, they're going to work off of the facts. Yep. And if I can just maintain calm and I can just, I can hear them out, even though what they're saying is racist and usually very offensive... If I can just get through that and I can present the facts, we'll, we'll get them on our side. And if I can get this person on my side, they do the work for me because they're going to go talk to their family.
0: Mm. This right here is a trope that I just want to call out. Um, as a black person, our emotions are continuously policed if we showed any signs of emotion that leaves the confines of passivity or calm or cool or even the funny, hilarious jokester. Because if we do, if we do, we're automatically dismiss as like hyper-emotional black person. think like the angry black woman trope. What is particularly infuriating about this is that a white person can show their entire ass in an argument, in a store, in a restaurant, State capitol building yelling and spitting on police officers with a fully loaded rifle, and it's completely justifiable. Or that individual is cast off as a crazy person. It's individualized. For black folks, individuals are often lifted up as the standard for that entire culture. So the fact that Gustavo, even as he remains calm in a conversation that directly impacts his life, has to stand there calmly while he's verbally insulted and abused is completely outrageous and ridiculous. And quite frankly, fucked up.
1: But I think that they go, they go on and have these conversations. Because certainly the, uh, the, the reverse has happened. I've talked... Not the reverse, but the inverse. I've certainly talked to one of their kids and had their kids turn around and go talk to their family. We can do the same with adults. Yeah. It just takes more work. So the reason I've stopped is because I've just gotten tired. Yeah. I've gotten tired of these conversations. Because every time I put out a podcast, I'll get 15 to 30 people DM me individually. The same message, by the way. Usually the same thing. Yeah, Jacob Blake deserves to get shot. Systemic racism isn't real. George Floyd deserved to die. George Floyd was a criminal. BLM is witchcraft. I, I'll show you that one. By the way, I got what? that all one's right. a that one's a real okay. one. I'll all show right. you that one. All right. BLM's involved in witchcraft. All I'll right. get all of that right. And usually, I'll just write one inclusive thing and just copy paste it to everybody because yeah. I'm not going to write every person an individual message. Yeah. I just I'd have to charge them for tutoring if I was yes, going to do exactly. that. The church just hasn't been supportive. At least my church hasn't. Mm. To the extent that I feel like I'm fed on Sundays. So I have my life group, like really close friends of ours. There's ten of us in this life group, and that's where I go. Mm-hmm. That's where Chelsea and I go for support and to talk, and you know, talking to you and and uh, and Hendo. And that's where we go to like feel heard and and get fed. Yeah. And feel like Christians are doing what they're supposed to be doing about this. Yep. Right. Like when Jesus is talking about justice and talking about caring for the needy and the poor, they're talking about this. Yep. But the church has been weaponized for white supremacy forever. Yep. I mean, The Atlantic I think had a great article on this. The church has supported and been weaponized. The KKK, all of them I'm sure will tell you they're Christians. I don't know how this happened. Yeah. But I need churches to start combating this. And I need mm. churches to start stepping up, doing what Jesus would do. It's shameful what's happening now. And my church took a stab at it. You know, they swung like, a little what? bit. Justice Sunday? Or? Uh, one of our younger pastors, he had a pretty good Sunday sermon on it. To me, which sounded like a uh, opening. It sounded like a this is what we're gonna be talking about for a while, mm-hmm. and then it didn't get brought up again. Gotcha. you. And then I, like I told you before, I sat down with the pastor. We talked about it. He went up, and he just he gave a sermon that I thought was um, it was very bland, mm. and it was uh, it was basically like, hey, racism is bad, right, guys? And I don't even know if that last part would get don't be racist might be too strong for for the level of strength we're talking about here. Yeah. And I think after that, I was just. Somewhere, and I was telling this to uh, Justin's father, Dan, he's a very smart guy, sent me a new song, right? That we were talking about their sermon. And I, what was the guy's name? Uh, Adam Edgerly. Adam's very smart. And I, and I just couldn't believe how supportive and how educated, eloquent, uh, and just like, just preach, man. Just yeah. like, that's what the church is supposed to be about. Here's the thing, and I've said it before, and, and most times in the black
0: church, because I've said this part, black, being black is political, like, our lives, everything. It's so in the black church traditionally, those things are like commonplace. Like yeah. they're not separate. So like when i when I moved out to Orange County when I came to school, this white ass school I went to, and like they're talking about like this just things that really don't matter. Like legitimate things that don't matter. I'm like two months ago when I was back home, like we were feeding the homeless, we were out there, like I I was like doing work, you know what I'm saying? Like doing like work. Um and like we're talking about, you know, going overseas and doing overseas missions trips. And like that's the extent of it, you know what I'm saying? And and that's where that's where that's where the church happens. And I'm like, yo, if you, if you go to the like on the other side of this city that we're in, if you go to like a city next door, if you go 30 minutes up, like there are areas that you could still be doing this work and that wasn't seen. And so like uh, they don't talk about like real life engagement no. in like politics or stuff like. That. But. Traditionally in the church, like these, those were the hubs. You know what I'm saying? Like these are things that are normalized and talked about.
1: But here's the funniest thing, I think. It's hilarious you said that. Yeah. Because if you ask, because a lot of, you know, a lot of white Christians are Republicans. If you ask them, okay, so if the government's not going to do it, who is? They'll say the church. They'll say the church should be doing this. That's hilarious. And then you say, is your church doing this? The answer is no. Yep. Because why evangelical churches become this kind of consumer thing Mm -hmm. where you go, you pay your fee. Yep. They used to call that tithing. They don't anymore. They don't even really do that. Yeah. Some people are going for free. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if you pay your membership, you know, some yeah. people do. Yeah. The pastor doesn't really challenge you very much. He'll say yep. some things. He'll, you know, give you kind of a prepackaged sermon, make you feel good. And then you'll really think about it. and You will raise your hands and you'll go home and nothing changes. Hmm. And then every once in a while, he'll say, hey, we're going to do a special offering for this people that we're sending it to Africa. And you'll give a little money and you'll say, look at me go. And that's it. Yeah. And if you go somewhere where he really challenges you, you're gonna say, I don't know, I don't really like that pastor. Yeah. You know? If he says something like, You know, Jesus died on the cross, blah, 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 we should be dying to ourselves and we should be doing this and that, he's gonna like, I don't know if I like this guy very much. I'm yeah. gonna go to a different church. Yeah. And that happens way too much. Yeah. Where Christianity is built to be comfortable. Yeah. And it's built to not rock the boat. Yeah. And that's been the white church. Yeah. That's been my church. And it's just, dude, it's just been and This is what I was telling Dan after he told me about new song. I said somewhere has to be the well. There's got to be somewhere where my wife and I can go to be fed. There's got to be somewhere where corporate worship doesn't feel like a battleground. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a mission. It feels like we're all there on the same page, worshiping the same God. Because sometimes I feel like we're, not, we're talking about two different religions. Yeah. So. Well, you are, but. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I go. I go all in. I don't oh, care. Man. I don't care. I don't. I don't go Love anywhere anymore. I don't, I don't go. <laughs> I'm not going to have a pastor email me or whatever. And by the way, I, I, people don't come at me when I say stuff. Like, they don't... They don't. I got to say this. If y'all really have a problem with something I say, please IG message me. Like, seriously, hit me up. I know if somebody's listening and they back out, they probably just, like, turn it off when they hear something that they don't like. But, yo, if you disagree, like, I, say I invite it, man. I, I seriously do invite it. Like, please hit me up. Anyways, yeah. But I I, I think you are talking about two different religions like you you really are Uh, because like and i've dealt with this multiple times i've been to so many churches and served so many churches in oc like during my 10 years here and like it's always been the same thing it always has gone down to the same thing and like when i listen i've said this before when i listen to a worship song that talks about setting the captives free and i could look around this crowd and like barely any of them probably, like, don't know anybody that has gone to jail. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. probably don't know anybody that goes. To- I know, I know, personally know that I'm still in a relationship. I know a good, like, a good amount of people that have gone to jail. You know what I'm saying? Um, or have some bad interaction with the police. Yeah. And, like, when I hear that, you know, I think about, like, their experience because they've told me about their experience. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Like, you have no idea. You have to make up this idea of, like, some, like... And not makeup. I don't want to belittle like a person's experience or life experiences, but like, well, I mean, I think that they're
1: talking about you know, they're captive to sin, which is well, you know, sure, you're dead to sin, and sure, but like it's this idea of like,
0: and it, you have to place yourself emotionally there. That's why they play those the songs the way that they do. Yeah, you know, and and I've been yes, and I've been in worship, and I've done worship for like. A long time but like the homie's got some thoughts on this too. yeah but the thing but the thing is it's like it's all like this performance you know what i'm saying and to get people into that that mindset and like yeah there is some authentic authenticity in that but the but the the reality is is like if you exit outside this exit outside this bubble oc bubble you will see that there are systemic issues that are happening all the time or even turn on like legitimately like read a book like read one book Read one book. Turn off Fox News. Stop voting on single issues, and you'll see that 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 oh shit, my issue. Don't go overseas. Stop going overseas. Stop yeah. looking at like Africa as this poor country. And there's a lot of places that are much more okay. Our infrastructure is a D minus. <laughs> 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 Number one. So that's our, true. U.S. infrastructure is a D minus compared to a lot of things. So yeah. my thing is like when you when you think that like we have it all together. Yeah.
1: Like we do not. We we don't. Well, I think. Ulterior point to yours, I don't think that people go to other countries because um, it's America's so great. I think it's part of it. I think the white savior is part of it. Yeah. Cause think of this, okay? You're in a church I'm locally. Really curious of what you're gonna say. Keep going. Are you? Yeah. Love it. You're in a church locally, right? <laughs> um, and you feed the homeless nearby. You've built a relationship now. You have responsibility now. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Those people know you, and you know them. You know Damn, their name. What you're about to say is even worse than what I was thinking. <laughs> If you just go to Africa, right, and you play with some kids, you take a picture, you come home, that's over. It's not all shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Dude, that's damn. over, no, but for real. You have no responsibility to those people anymore. Yeah. That now is a fun memory you get to show people to show them how good of a person you are. Yeah. You just show them, look, I went to Africa. Yeah. Look how happy these kids are all yep. around me. I gave them food. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But if you help somebody channels. in your community, you see that person again. Yep. Chelsea and I literally gave like a sweatshirt and a blanket and a phone number to a person. We see that lady all the time. Yeah, She's always in front of the same store we go to. Yep. And I try <laughs> to help her as much as I can. Like I'll buy her a chicken. I'll buy her some food. Yeah. But like I see her all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I see her and I feel convicted that I should do something. But if I just get the police to kick her off to Santa Ana so my city doesn't have any homeless people in it, I get to feel good about myself that I helped that lady that one time. If I just go to Mexico and build a church like I've done multiple times, they send me a picture of the church. I feel great. Yep. I feel good. Yep. If I sponsor a child, which yep. I also used to do. I still do. And that Shout girl sends me – yep. yeah. Yep. And that she sends me a picture of herself and I go, wow, look at that. Mm. My $8 or $10 a month is doing this. I get to feel good and I'm done. Yep. You know what I mean? But I think that the commitment that it requires to work within your community is a lot higher. Yeah, and the conviction is a lot higher. Yeah,
0: and but and you're hitting out a really good point because like that's what I've said. Like that's the, and I've said this in allyship. And it's just, It's the, the same rules apply. Systemic change comes at a cost to you. Yeah. it it, it is relationship building. You lose. It's sacrificial. And like when when we look, biblically. When we look in the Bible as how they served their communities, okay. they moved in. Like it was a group effort, it was a community effort and they gave absolutely everything they were. Time, money, resources, skills, yes. all of these things yes. went towards helping that community get better and do that. And I'll say specifically the the US church, like we do not do that well. Like we do not I do that well. I think the
1: white evangelical churches don't do that. Thank I you think for minority. Me. That's a great. That's I think a great, minority churches no, do do that.
0: Absolutely, no. That's a really great point. And, and when I said that, uh, gotta catch myself. Internalized yeah. racism. <laughs> that, that, that that like legitimately, when I say that, that's who I'm talking yeah. about. But we got to be specific. No, we're white too. Evangel- yeah. <laughs> We're white evangelical Christians. No, they Just, don't. Goes, They're it very it goes, hands yeah, off, and so. it's a
1: very consumeristic. It's a very consumeristic experience for them. Mm-hmm. You know. This is what we're talking about. Mm. And it should be that way. Yeah. It shouldn't be a Sunday thing. Like you go watch some football, then you go to church, and that's your week. Yeah. But that's what it's become. And I think that it's it's such a huge disservice mm. to the community, but it's a disservice to you.
0: Okay, so um, I think I'm going to ask you a question now. So yeah. church and politics slash the state. So when
1: I say politics, I'm actually referring to the state. Yeah. Um, do they mix? So a lot of people get really mad about at me about these opinions. Well, a lot of people get really mad about me about a lot of stuff. But... This specifically, because I still have some libertarian thought in me. I just don't think it applies to people because they're too dumb. Mm. But uh, in the when it comes to the church, here's all here's what my scenario always is. Okay, because people will say, "Well, America was built on Judeo-Christian values. We should maintain those." I don't think we, I don't know what you think Judeo-Christian values are, but let's just say I agree. Mm. Imagine you live in a majority Muslim country, and the government is run by mostly Muslims, mm. right? And they impose Islam, mm. right? The biggest fear of all how do you feel? Do you feel oppressed? Do you feel like you convert to Islam? And then let me ask you, what did Jesus do when he showed up? Did he just overthrow the Roman Empire? Or did he go to people and talk to them one by one? So when I think about laws and our Christian values, I think we should just be as fair and as just as we can be. Mm. If that means that we're pro-choice, unfortunately, that means that. And that's the one that people hate. And yeah, by the way, people
0: get mad about I've that.
1: also been supporting gay marriage since I knew where the Constitution was. Because yeah. I don't think it's possible not to yeah. under the laws of this country. Mm. You want to go start your own country and run it, you know, Old Testament, you can. But in this country, you read the Constitution, it's impossible. It's impossible. And so is abortion. Mm. It's impossible. Because I don't see anywhere in the Constitution that prevents someone from doing that. Yeah. Do I think it's wrong? Yes. Do I wish it never happened? Of course. But do I think the best way to go about it is to make it illegal? No. Yep. And what's funny is I tell that to people, and they say, well, we should make it illegal because there'll be less of it. And I that's think, okay, true. well, what do you that think about gun true. laws? Do you think gun laws work? They go, no. I go, why? Because people get guns anyways. I go, okay, now apply that logic to abortions. <laughs> like, I don't understand how that's so it, – it seems very simple to me. So I guess my point is uh, – One, oppressing people is always going to turn them away from the church. Mm. I think Donald Trump has been the worst thing that happened to the Christian church in a long time. Mm. Because people look at what he's doing, look at what he's saying, look at how he's treating the LGBTQ community, and they're not going to want to come to church. They're going to say, this guy is backed by evangelical Christians? They support him? That's a hostile place for me. I've met multiple pastors who support Donald Trump, and I thought I would never go to your church. Mm. Ever. So... I don't think we should be weaponizing the government just because we're Christians. And I heavy quotes here, listener, heavy quotes. The country's majority Christian. We shouldn't weaponize the government. That's called oppression. Yeah. It's called systemic oppression. It's what I'm trying to fight right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. But long story short, I think that the church and the state should be separate. And I think that it helps a lot more for the church to be supportive in the community mm. and to push for change in the government than it does for the church to do nothing and just tell people to vote red which is what they do now. I think that when people are not oppressed by the Christian church, they'll see the love of God. I don't think people see the love of God by first imposing the rules, right? Yeah. First people belong, then they follow.
0: When I was an undergrad, when I went on a mission trip, yeah. i have like, um, this missionary told me, he's like, yeah, I've been talking to the same person for five years and they've only come to church one time. But we talk every single time we talk. And it, it's all about relationship building, all about building rapport, all about having that relationship. Yeah. And that radically changed like how I honestly, like, love people and care for people. Mm-hmm. Like, because I truly fundamentally believe people are not a project. That's what, like, wrecked my, like, faith. Because, like, w- we look at people and, and say, like, all right, almost like an MLM scheme, right? Mm. Um, of, like, all right, how many people am I going to convert? Yeah. And have no relationship with that person. Yeah. Like, come to my church. I've had people roll up on me. Like, literally, I thought I was going to have to fight, and they said they wanted to pray for me. And I'm like, bro, I don't want you praying for me, dog. I don't want you talking to me... You know what I'm saying? And they don't know me. They don't know right. anything about me. And every time I see it on the streets, those street evangelists get me. Because, like, you're not building any kind of relationship with this person. You're not right. even, like, you don't know. Yeah, they might have said a cool prayer, like, in that 30 seconds. They might have felt something. And their life might have been changed in that moment. Could but happen. the fact of the matter is they have to still go back to the same thing. They are still facing systemic racism. They are still facing, like, they go down the street. Nobody's going to ask them if they're a Christian. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, like, I feel like that's the disconnect. There's no relationship building. There's no connection. And that's so frustrating. And so, like, when I see people, like, as far as, like, they say that they're, like, we don't need to talk about politics in the church. But everything they're doing is political. Yes. That is what's extremely frustrating. Yes. So, like, how can, you, it's just, like, this cognitive dissonance. It's, it's Yeah, it's just, like, it's unbelievable to me. For me, I think that the line is absolutely blurred. Um, not in a way that church is leading every single policy, legislation, yada, yada, yada. It is blurred in that like there is ideologies like people's rel- people's political I- ideology is their religion. It's not the other way around. You know I what see. I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, they are steered by their political ideology and saying that it's their faith belief system. Well,
1: okay. Let me say this because I think that you're – I think I agree with you kind of. Okay. Because there's two problems here, right? There is – a product of the model of government and politics that we have and there's a problem of opinion so you and I I'm probably more right-wing than you are I believe in a lot of like free capitalism you and I might have the same goal right mm. and I always tell people this when they're having political arguments I think it's very important we'll say hey what do we want we want people to prosper yep. We want everyone to do well yeah we want people to have food on the table yep. and financial security and food security and all this stuff right yep. and you'll say well I think we should give people money mm. and I'll say I think we should open businesses for them. But we can be both Christ followers and expressing our faith and just disagree about how to help people. That's one thing. What's happened in American politics is the Republicans, like we were talking about in the 70s, because before the realignment of the Republican party, it used to be you had Christians that were Democrats, Republicans who were, you know, whatever, atheists, all, all this stuff. In the 70s, the huge realignment. And what they did was genius. They said, hey, if you're a Christian, you should be in this party. It was really genius, actually. And they literally corralled every single Christian into the same party. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Republican right and Christian thought started being blurred. But see, like you're saying, I think your main point was our whole life can't be compartmentalized. Our whole life should be an expression of Jesus. Mm. And I agree. But I think that because of the way our system works, this is what happened. Our political system, right? Yes. Okay. Our political system blurred into the church and now we've accepted ideas that aren't Christian. And ha oh man, I'm forgetting this guy's name, but I listened. there's a podcast you told me to listen to. He was a black guy. He went to a mostly white church and he was talking about how white evangelicals act like some of their traditions are gospel. Hmm. And they're not, you know? I think that's happened a lot. So I think that like when we're talking about helping people and we're talking about what to do a lot of christians won't look at what the bible will say about it. Hmm. they'll look at what the republican party has to say about it. and then they'll with that view, they'll make sure it's okay with the bible. Hmm. it doesn't directly contradict. they won't go the other way. they won't say, what does the bible say about this? and then which party do i pick to get this result? they start here. republican party says this. does that directly contradict? no, then we're good. it's everything is permissible and everything everything's beneficial hmm. in effect.
0: Wait, what's, what's different than what I said? Because I feel like we just said the same thing.
1: Did we? Yeah. I forgot what you said. Yeah, I'm I was saying political
0: ideology, people are led by their political ideology and not necessarily their faith.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yes. that's what I was trying to yeah. say. I was saying that there's two things there because I think that you can be led by your faith
0: Oh, okay. and
1: still line up with political ideology. I see. Okay. That's my point. Gotcha. But like, if the, let's say, I mean, let's make this realistic. Let's say you and I have a local candidate that completely lines up with what we're saying mm-hmm. and he's an independent mm-hmm. and then I would say yeah let's just do whatever that guy says yeah. right or like if you ran for office I'd be like yeah whatever John says let's do that mm-hmm. I trust John and then someone would say well your ideology is overcoming your faith i said, No, no but John's doing everything I think should be done and in that case that would be okay Right. So I think there are sometimes I'm going to frame this you're you're a rational thinking person though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, so <laughs> I just want to that. put it in context. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel what you're saying. Yeah, though. but what I'm yeah, saying is it. sometimes our desire to follow Jesus is going to line up with an ideology, but the ideology yeah. is not controlling. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is right in that the ideology is controlling right now. Yes. And then we look at the Bible just to make sure it's not in direct contradiction. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying that because I think there's, there's a lot of things that Republicans do that Jesus would never do. Yeah. But it's just not clear enough. It's not black and white enough for someone to say, hey, look at this. Now look at this policy. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? No? Yeah. Okay.
0: And I have two things on that. One, I think that's very purposeful. Yeah. Very purposeful. Two, I think I agree with most of that. I think the hard part is that what I've seen is that this is what I'll hear. This phrase is that, you know, I voted for, I voted Republican because I'm a Christian. I'm a God-free. And and that's why I'm like, why does, why does you voting Republican have to do with your your Christian faith? Because like, if, literally the way I read the Bible, like that doesn't line up to me.
1: Uh, Here's your problem in this, in that thinking. You think people are deep thinkers. That's your assumption. No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> your assumption is that yeah. people think for themselves. Yeah. You just assumed that this person, this is the person you're describing in this scenario, thinks mm. for themselves. They don't. Mm. They have a job, right? They have a nine to five. They're tired when they come home. Yep. And they got to vote in this election coming up. And everyone they know votes Republican. Everyone mm. that goes to church votes Republican. The guy goes up there. He says, you know, God bless America. And they think, okay, that's it. <laughs> I joke, I kid you not, that's the extent of a lot of people. You know, a lot of people would just get, they right. just You're actually right, you're right, you're right. Don't say actually, I'm right all the time. You're... Stop, bro, stop, stop. <laughs> but most people, oh, man. I man. Chelsea, please. <laughs> please. She was here. The eye rolls, bro. Please, the Chelsea, rolls. please, get this guy. <laughs> Come get <Okay>. your boy. <laughs> Seriously. But that's what I've encountered a lot in this debate of systemic injustices: mm. is people will refer to me as commentators, mm. and what a commentator is somebody who does all the work for you, yep, or at least you think they do. I used to like Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is completely sold. I out. remember
0: when you liked him, and I told you that that dude is an idiot, and then you were like,
1: "Oh, like you, you know, this is why I like." Well, him. I agreed with you. I said, "Listen, Ben Shapiro's analysis is usually just shallow, right?"
0: That's what he, you told me. Yeah, yep, yep. he'll
1: look at a problem and he'll think of he'll look at the first possible solution. And he'll say, yep. "There we go, it's solved." And I thought that was shallow, but sometimes things aren't that deep. Like sometimes policies aren't that are complicated. He does the same thing with systemic racism, which is impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. So it's completely solid it's more. And then you got people like Candace Owens. Like Candace Owens is oh he just got heated, y'all. <laughs> he just got heated. So these people, they listen to them, they listen to two to three minute videos from these right wing commentators, and that's how the decisions get made. That's it. Because Ooh. that's literally how a lot of voters that's how they decide. They don't have this, like, you and I sit here and think critically, okay, this policy versus this policy, and how does that line up with my faith, and this candidate, and blah, blah, blah. Well, he's pro-choice. Am I okay with that? Let me think deeply about this. Mm. None of that happens. None of that. Abortion's wrong. Who is against abortion? Boom, done.
0: Damn. You just wrecked my whole, that whole, my whole idea. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, I've literally been saying that for, like, the last, like... Two three years, and my (laughs) assumption was that people are thinking as critically about these things as I am. Yes, and to some extent, yes. But a lot of times, it really is because I think back to like how I used to vote. I didn't like look at who this. I didn't look at the record. I didn't look at like I didn't listen to multiple podcasts. Listen to read articles. Like trying. I didn't do the research that literally
1: is required. I didn't do like the six months of research. No, (laughs) literally, it is. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's It's a a lot. lot. And that's why I think that you know, that's why I like doing my podcast.
0: And it's, and it's and granted, like it it is so much. And on top of that, we spent a lot of time and energy undergrad. Well that's in the that's the yeah, key. Yeah. That's the
1: key. The key is I know how to read things, yeah, I know how to critically think about yep. things and, and I know dissect, how to
0: research. And know, and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what my Yeah. that's what you paid for in college. Yep. You didn't pay for the knowledge. Yeah. The knowledge you can find again. Yeah. You paid for how to think. You learn how to think. That's what mostly what law school taught me mm-hmm. It's how to think. Yeah. It's how to see when people are making assumptions. And, and now when people um, send me stats, that
0: my favorite stat that people like to send me when they talk about like black and black crime, and like when cops kill a black person, they say <laughs> cops kill more white people. I'm like, first of all, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about percentages because like, you're do just it. sending me a number. Do it to them. Do it. You're just sending me a number. Okay, so when there are more white people, yeah, and so if we're talking about more people that are open and available to like, shoot, then that means they're, they're, it's going to be easier to do that. Do you know how many people you have to kill when you are 13% of a population to still close? to still be close percentage-wise? Yeah. That is unbelievable. And, and let's not talk about like the criminal justice system where there's two million people in jail at any given time, right. where a majority of them are black and brown. That's insane. So like when people send me that stat, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about.
1: So okay, completely agree. Here's yeah. the craziest thing about this, right? So people say that to you, and by the way, it's not just percentage; it's also raw numbers. Like it's yeah. close in yeah. raw numbers, yeah. which is the craziest part. Yeah. President of the United States said this at an interview, right? Someone asked him, "Did you see this clip?" Oh sh-
0: Yes, I did. I saw this clip.
1: Someone asked him, "Hey, how do you feel about uh, the police killing black people?" Essentially, and he said, "They kill white people too. In fact, more white people." And I and Trevor Noah made a huge joke about this, like. So the police are killing people. You agree. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, But like, of course, they kill more white people. You're the majority of the country. Yeah. Look at percentages. Look at per capita. Yep. Look at use of force yep. in interactions. Yep. And here's the craziest part about all of this. Mm. Right? And I, I forget the exact number. But white people are way more likely to kill a cop than black people. Wow. Like during an arrest, white people are historically way more aggressive and violent mm. than black people. But I saw this while I was reading. I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it.
0: Okay, so full transparency, I searched high and low for this stat, but could not find it. But like most data on policing in the U.S., any statistics that are before like at least five to ten-ish years are really actually hard to track down because it was just not kept. However, what I did find out, without a shadow of a doubt, Is that police use more physical and lethal force with black people, whether they are armed or not, at a dramatically disproportionate rate than any other race. That data is absolutely undeniable. And so for all you people that think we're playing victim, you need to pick up a book. Do Google Google search. But those are stats, raw numbers.
1: So you're telling me white people are more aggressive, they're more dangerous, They result in more cop murders, yet they get less... They get treated like people, regardless, right? Dylan Roof, killed a bunch of people, gets gets Burger King. Gets water and Burger King. Black people, gives a $20 bill, valid bill, gets killed for it. How? How, Sway? Yeah. (laughs) Explain this to me. Yeah. Also, the fact that the cops were called for $20. No. Well, the fact they don't have a marker in there just to check the bill. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, that's not... La- and, that's not
0: I'm, I'm laughing because
1: it's, just, It's like, so sad. And the fact that nobody yeah. would ever call the cops if the guy was white. Yeah. Because you would have no reason to doubt him. But, like, so people... I mean, but people want to talk about this, but they don't know the studies. Yeah. They look at, like, a very short... Like, a, a, a bit... And by the way, I even hate the term black-on-black crime. It's, not, it's just crime. It's just any, crime. Yeah. And I love is they say, well, you know, 50% of murders. And I go, okay, listen. You know, black-on-black crime community. Do you know how many how much white-on-white white crime stats are? And they'll go, what do you mean white-on-white white crime? And they go, well, we're talking about black-on-black black crime. What is, white on white? What is the white-on-white white crime rate? They don't know. I do. It's 89%. White people are killed by other white people 89% of the time. Mm-hmm. Black people, it's 86%. Yep. A little better in the black community. Yep. And I know, do you know why you don't know that? Because it's about poverty. It's not about race. Yep. People kill people they're next to. And the the crime in the black community, which is disproportionately poor... The crime rate and the violent crime rate is exactly the same as in the poor white neighborhoods. Yep, it's exactly the same. What does that tell you? Yep. Does that tell you that white people are black? Does that tell you that <laughs> black people are disproportionately violent? Or Does that tell you that poor people commit crime? And why are black people poor?
0: Well, I was listening to a podcast earlier, uh, but the but somebody said like. What I have seen in the last four no, what? I'm mixing my 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 mind is mush right now. You said this earlier. Oh. You said this during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like what's happened, what uh, the attack on like intellectualism, like yes. in this country. Yes. Like the ideas to like That's what I started belief, out with. Yep, to 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 think critically and like actually believe has just been picked and chipped away yeah. like it is unbelievable so like so like everything we're talking about we can spit out facts all day it's like the, the dominant narrative that's existing right now is yeah. And I'll tell
1: you this it's more useful people don't trust me right mm-hmm. I'm not a reliable source for people because I'm brown mm-hmm. They'll think well Gustavo's got a, an agenda right mm-hmm. He's black his wife's black he's got an agenda Yeah When white people say exactly what Bro, i'm saying don't, don't get me started on this one they say exactly what i'm saying yeah. they're believed yeah. people go well really yeah no way yep. when i say it it's oh well these numbers are off you made that up or oh, well, where's the source there's a source oh no that's liberal bullcrap that's just like a liberal institution and that's the one thing donald trump's done mm. is he has completely destroyed at least all of his supporters Belief in institutions Mm -hmm. in educational institutions in medical institutions now with the virus Mm. anyways (laughs) right.
0: any final thoughts?
1: Uh, final thoughts please um, I'm not even going to tell you who to vote for yep if I were you me I'm voting for Joe Biden I'm not going to tell you who to vote for here's what I encourage you to do if you're a Trump supporter listening to this 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 is the only person I care about if you're a Trump supporter and you listen to this podcast thank you you got this far I know I said a lot of things you disagree with I appreciate you Two, please do your research. I want you to look into Ukraine. I want you to look into everybody around Donald Trump has gotten arrested for something. I want you to look into that. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at what he's done for you if you're working class. If you're rich, you know what he's done for you. Your tax looks great. If you're working class, what has he done for you? Then I want you to look at how much you pay for health care. Then I want you to look at the Russian interference going on in our election. Not from Fox News. From the intelligence agencies in the United States saying that Russia is interfering in our election. And finally, I want you to think about why Donald Trump is suing several states that pre-registered voters. I want you to think about why suppressing the vote helps the president. And I want you to think about why he's been trying to defund and sabotage the U.S. Postal Service.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much, G. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This this is so much fun. Got to do this again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. All right. And that's Gustavo, y'all. Like I mentioned before, Gustavo is the host of the Goose's is Loose podcast, a fun show about politics and culture, and I highly recommend it. Go ahead and check it out. You can find him anywhere you get your podcasts. And I hope Goose and I didn't sound too, like, sensationalist when we're sitting there talking about politics, about what could go wrong and where our current politics are at. But I do want to echo this. We don't want to tell you who to vote for. But I honestly believe that voting is such a sacred right that whoever you choose to cast your vote for should be somebody who is the best fit for the job. And it's in my personal opinion that Donald Trump is not the best fit for the job. And another big takeaway from this conversation is me and Gustavo's very similar but vastly different experiences in Orange County. We're both black men, both married, both ambitious, both caring and loving people. Yet we have completely different ideologies when it comes to conversations on politics, faith, and how we go about conversations of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, oftentimes, in the media especially, the experiences of black folks are just lumped together. That somehow the diaspora of black people have been homogenized and we only think alike. No difference. That black people have no depth or nuance to how we approach the massive problems facing our country. That could not be further from the truth. Black culture, Black people, are beautifully diverse in thought and experiences. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, with musical with music by the also talented Mr. Tony Deras. And if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at podcast. That's RTWD podcast on Instagram till next time y'all peace.